0: All right. Well, let's look at our passage for today, which is John 3, 16 through 25. John 3, 16, i got to find it too, through 25. i got a different Bible up here today that doesn't have one of the little stringy things in it. So, I got it. Here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son everyone who does wicked things hates the light does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God this is the word of the Lord Will you pray with me father we humble ourselves right now in your presence as we just read in Psalm 103 your kingdom rules over all, and we acknowledge that your son, the Lord Jesus, is the king over the church, and that we gather together in his presence of the one who gave himself for us at the cross, who is the victorious, risen lamb of God, who was slain for all of our sins, and all of your angels and hosts and all of heaven, we gather together to worship you Pray that you would speak to us by the power of your spirit now in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, we are um, looking, we have been looking at the book of John in the Bible, and we find ourselves in John chapter 3, and we've titled this series, Good Life, right? And we're looking at uh, John's gospel. Uh, He was a disciple. He was a follower of Jesus. And so that's what we've been looking at uh, for several weeks now. Did anybody uh, catch the Super Bowl? Anybody watch that? Confession, that was the first NFL game I watched all year, but I did, I did watch it. Um, but the Super Bowl is like, man, that's like the game to watch if you're into the NFL because it's the championship, right? John 3.16 is the Super Bowl of the Bible, right? It is the championship. It is the most famous verse uh, in, in all, of the, all of the scriptures, right? That God so loved the world, he gave his only son. This is the most famous verse in, in all the Bible, In American culture, it became very popular in the 70s, in the Jesus movement, when crazy Christians uh, would go to sporting events, and they would hold up their uh, John 316 signs uh, in the crowd. We don't see that as much uh, anymore. In the 90s, we had Austin 316, right? Stone Cold Steve Austin, Um, which actually, Austin 316 became one of the most popular phrases in wrestling history. Just in, cra- and just in case you don't know much wrestling history, right, there's something for you. Um, in 2009, the Florida uh, Gators quarterback, Tim Tebow, uh, his eye black under his eyes, he had John 316 uh, written, and he, he led the Gators to the, uh, uh, the NCAA championship. And when he wrote that on his eyes, 94 million people searched the Internet for John 316, 94 million people. And uh, Tebow was uh, reflecting on this, and he, and he said, how do 94 million people not know John 3.16? It is the most famous verse in all the Bible. But uh, just to be honest with you, um, not in 2009, but 2000, uh, I was one of those people. I didn't look it up on the Internet or anything, but I had no clue what the words of that verse uh, were. I, wasn't, I was a new Christian. I remember seeing John 3.16 written on a cross and asking somebody, asking a Christian, what is that? And they told me for the first time what John three sixteen uh, was. Uh, the U version of the Bible app is probably the most uh, popular, uh, you know, Bible app that's out there. Last year in twenty twenty three, uh, their top ten verses of the Bible, John three sixteen came in. What do you think? Huh? Number ten. Number 10, and I looked at that and I thought to myself, how is John 3.16 barely making the top 10 uh, of uh, searched Bible verses, right? So, outside the church, there are people like me. It was 2000, and I had no clue uh, what John 3.16 was. I didn't even know the words, but inside the church, even inside the church, we may know the words, but... Be ignorant of the substance, the meaning, the weight, the significance. And maybe you're here this morning. You're thinking, "I kick back. I already know John 3:16. I've got it memorized. I've been hearing this for years. I know John 3:16." But do you really? Do you really? Right? Do you know the significance of John 3:16 for Monday morning? Right? And that's why we're going to break it down today. All right, we're going to break it down. So here's the big idea. You ready for this? This is going to be uh, profound. Here. That's the big idea. God so loved the world. We're going to to break down all all those words right there. So let's look at the first one, God. God. John 3.16. Let's look at this verse again. For God. See that? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, I went to Denali National uh, Park one time, and uh, my brother was in the Air Force in Alaska, and we went there, and I wanted to see Mount McKinley. it's the tallest uh, mountain in North America, but uh, I couldn't see it because the the visibility uh, wasn't good. John 3.16 is like Mount McKinley. It is towering. It is awesome. It is absolutely beautiful, but there are all kinds of things that can cloud our vision from truly uh, understanding what God is saying to us uh, in his passages. And the first, one of the things that uh, clouds our vision is paganism, right? We live in a thoroughly pagan culture, right? And, and paganism is how people live. It is, it is what you see on a regular basis, right? You might not be able to put a label on it, but the way people think, live is paganism. Paganism is belief that everything is part of the divine, right? Because there's no creator God outside of the world. This is what the Apostle Paul said was what was wrong with the world. He called it the lie. The lie is worshiping and serving the created things, loving everything in the world, and and going after the stuff in the world rather than the God who made uh, everything. So, God becomes a part of the world, a part of us, Paganism says that all roads lead to God, all the same. I heard this this past week. All paths lead to God. Paganism says that your problem is that you just need to look deep down inside yourself to see that you have the power within yourself to change. You have the power within yourself to be whoever you uh, want to be. Paganism believes in a uh, vague, uh, cloudy love of God says that God loves everyone regardless, full confession, I was like this. I was a good pagan back in the day. I thought God knew my heart, and I was going to be okay with God uh, when it was all said and done. But here, let me ask you a question, if that's where you're at this morning. How did I really know that God knew my heart? Here's, here's the truth. I didn't. I didn't know. So if, if you find yourself uh, being in similar shoes uh, this morning, why do you believe that God loves you? Does who, and based upon what? So that's one uh, thing that can uh, cloud our visibility, cloud the visibility of John 3:16. Another thing is liberalism. Right, Christianity is a religion, a faith that's built on the Bible, on the Scriptures. That is how we think about everything: God, life, the world. Uh, how we think about how we should live is rooted in. Uh, this book. But liberalism, on the other hand, is built upon the shifting feelings of our society. And there is currently in the church a rapid cross-denominational departure from biblical Christianity to liberalism. That is, churches in our community, churches all throughout our community are leaving the Bible behind because the culture has left a biblical morality And they are shifting to whatever feeling or whatever uh, is going on in our world today. Uh, There was a Christian teacher, a guy named uh, H. Richard Niebuhr. And this was his definition, a classic definition of uh, liberalism. I think I got it up here. Here it is. A God without wrath brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the menstruations of a Christ without a cross. That's liberalism. Liberalism says there is no wrath of God. There is no judgment. There is no John 3.16. John 3.16 says if you don't believe in Jesus, you perish. Right? Uh, there's no sin. Christ didn't need to die on the cross. No judgment. No Christ on the cross. It's Christless, tombless, Christless Christianity. That's not John 3.16. John 3.16 is deep, it is costly. It is demanding of us. And the passage starts out with, for God. That's where the love of God starts. The love of God starts with the person of God, and it never ends with the person of God. And it's talking about the God of the Scriptures. When when, when John 3.16 says, for God, it's talking about the God who gave his only Son, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's talking about the God who showed up in the wilderness to Moses at the burning bush, the God who says, I am, the God who's always been there, eternal, the God who never changes, the God who is self-sufficient. That means the God who doesn't need anything from us, right? That's the God, the God who sent Moses down into Pharaoh and delivered Israel out of slavery. That's the God uh, that we're talking about here. And this is the God who is loved. All right. This is John wrote another uh, letter called First uh, John, and verse chapter four, verse eight. This is what he says: "The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love." You see that? This is who God is. It's his very nature. This is the kind of God He is. This is where love comes from, by the way. God is the originator of love because it is found. Within his being, he is the very definition of love. God's character defines what love really is. How is that? How can can that be the case? Well, God, the God of the Scriptures, the God of the Bible, has existed forever in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they have loved one another from all of eternity. They've existed as family, as community, in in mutual self-giving love for one another. They've been sharing love forever. And it was out of that, out of that deep mind, what came up out of the love of God is everything. It was out of the overflow of the love of God that God loved all of the universe into existence because he wanted to share love with us. I'll show you Romans, not Romans, but Revelation chapter 4 Uh, Verse 11 was also written by John the Apostle. Look what it says here, that there's this worship going on around the throne of God, and these beings are praising God, saying, Our Lord and and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you created all things. Look at this. And by your will, they exist and were created. In other words, God wanted to create everything. It was out of what he wanted to do and his love and his desires deep down. Here's what that means. You are not an accident. I tell people this all the time. I work in substance abuse, you know, and people are, are just, lives are just falling apart, you know, and a lot of times they feel like trash, and I just tell them, listen, you are alive for a reason. You have breath in your lungs. You're not an accident. God put you here. God loved you into existence. The universe is not a mistake. The, the universe is not some brr, brr, bam, all of a sudden the universe came into existence. That's ridiculous, by the way. And if you've ever just kind of delved into the complexities of the universe, the intricacies, the manufacturing, the design, it is utterly mind-blowing, right? All you got to do is look at the snow on top of the mountains here, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. Um, one of my favorite classes in college was human biology, believe it or not. And um, uh, I I went to study um, theology and the Bible and stuff like that, uh, but I had classes in philosophy and math and science and uh, all this other stuff. But um, human biology, and the professor was a Christian. He was very passionate about his job. And uh, I remember when he explained the human immune system and how it worked. That's 20 years ago, I still remember. Did you know that your immune system is like a Navy SEAL team inside your body. It is so mind-blowing, right? When he explained, like, like they got things, that the, the immune system, where they'll, they'll plant something inside, bacteria or virus, and blow it up, right? So that you can feel a little bit more healthy, right? It's just utterly mind-blowing. It's because God created the world, and, and that means you too. And you know what? That's love. God didn't have to do that. He did that because he wanted to share his... His love with you, you know, it's so beautiful because we have all kinds of little ones uh, running around the church building. Here's what I know about the parents: they love their kids. They do. They love their kids, and you guys love love the kids too. You know what? And the scriptures say that we are God's offspring. We are God's offspring. We are God's children. It means that He loves us. All right. So let's look at this. Let's look at the next um, word. So. So, God so loved the world. Let's look at John 3.16 again. We're all going to have John 3.16 memorized by the time we're done. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But God so loved the world. God so loved the world. I used to do this thing with uh, my girls when they were little. And I'd say, does your daddy love you this much? Does your daddy love you? They'd be like, no. I'm like, well, does your daddy love you this much? Like, no? I'm like, well, did your daddy love you this much? They're like, yeah, right? (laughs) So uh, that is not what's going on here in John 3.16, right? Uh, That's not what so means. We got a lot of sentimentality running around uh, the church uh, today. And here's what sentimentality is, right? It is God's love is just a feeling, not a real thing. I feel like God loves me but there's nothing really attached uh, to that. John 3.16 is saying to us that God's love is more than a feeling, and that's a good thing. It's concrete, tangible. The word so, John, for God so loved the world, that word literally means in this way. For God loved the world in this particular way. It's talking about specifics. For God so loved the world that he gave son that's the love of god All right it's not talking about quantity although it's a lot it's talking about specifics god specifically loved us in this way you see god's love for you is god's giving that's god's love it's the fact that he gave his son for us on our behalf he gave us jesus and that has always been god's plan by the way god the father god the son have this plan of eternal redemption, and it is accomplished by God sending his son into the world. In other words, God didn't force Jesus to save us. God did not uh, commit uh, divine child abuse by sending his son into the world, but it was their plan together. And Jesus Christ came willingly into the world for you. Look at it. This is what Jesus said himself. John chapter 10, verse 18. Look at this. No one takes it from me, his life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again, his resurrection. I have received this command from my Father. See that? It's a command from the Father, but at the same time, he's coming willingly. This is how God has loved us, in his Son, the Lord Jesus. All right, let's look at the next thing, loved. Loved. John 3.16 again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Which, by the way, a God who loves is a distinctly Christian idea. You're not going to find that anywhere else. This is revolutionary. Right? You're not going to find it in Islam. Right? That's not a loving God. He ain't got nobody to love. Right? You're not going to find it in Buddhism. Because there is no God in Buddhism. It's atheistic. It's wonderful. The love of God is wonderful because God loves us despite what we love. God loves us despite all of our loves. Look, it says it here in our passage, John 3 19. Look what it says. And this is the judgment. Light has come into the world. Look at this. And people loved the darkness. Do you see that? God loved us despite us loving the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Listen, we all know something's wrong with the world, don't we? With ourselves, we feel it, we sense it, we look out on the world, and we think something's, something's uh, not right. Uh, for instance, uh, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Why do people care? <laughs> Why do people care about stuff like that? Something is wrong with us. And one of the ways we see that in our, in our culture is we are addicted to trivial madness, silly stuff that doesn't, uh, that doesn't matter. I saw one pastor uh, react to uh, one of her music videos, a music video come on, it's, a, it's the song Antihero. The song comes on, it's me, Taylor Swift that is, it's me, hi, I'm the problem. And the pastor reacts and he says, so, we've identified the source of the problem. You see, we are the problem, and it's what we love. Uh, St. Augustine, uh, he was a pastor in the 400s, and um, he wrote a book called The Confessions. It's a beautiful uh, prayer unto God. And this is what he says in it, this classic line. He loves you too little. He's talking to God. He loves you too little who loves anything together with you which he loves not for your sake. St. Augustine was a master at this, at at recognizing that what's going wrong with the world is what we love is all haywire, and it's it's out of whack. See, that's what's wrong with us. We don't know what love is or how to love properly. This is what Augustine is saying. If we love anything on the same level as God, or we elevate it above him, then we are using him. If we love anything that we do not thank him for or honor him with, then we are using him because you know what? Everything in the world comes from God. This is what the scriptures say that God has given us life and breath and all things. And God loves us too much to enable us. Using God to get his stuff and using his stuff in all the wrong ways is evil according to Jesus right here. It's love in the darkness. You know what? Augustine says, this is what destroys us. It is taking the good thing that God put in his world and making it a God thing, and it just destroys us, and it, and it destroys uh, society and destroys uh, families. All you got to do is just look around. This is it, and this is the problem. Look at, look at verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. And you guys know this, when, you, when you're doing wrong, right, you, don't want, you, do it, you don't want to be found, found out. You get upset whenever you get caught, right? Um, you don't want uh, anyone to tell you about yourself uh, when, you're, when you're doing wrong. Uh, we're like coyotes when we're, when we're in the darkness, right? Coyotes, they come out at night, you know, they're real elusive, they're, they're, they're hard to hunt, you know, you know they're out there in the woods, but you hardly ever uh, uh, see them. We like to do our business in the darkness. Uh, people uh, do not like to be disturbed in their wickedness, right? We get comfortable, and we, don't wanna, we, don't, we refuse to be shaken up uh, out of that, and this is where we are at as a society, right? So according to Jesus, to trust, to, to refuse to come to Jesus to receive his love, to believe in him. This is not an intellectual problem. This is a moral problem. This is what the Scriptures say. It's not a problem of argumentation. You know, l- let me break it down for you so you can understand. The problem is we want to hold on to our lives. We want to hold on to the darkness, right? We would rather tell Jesus to get the heck out of here so we could do whatever we want. Right? That is love in the darkness. And the darkness is all over the place. There's darkness in church buildings, by the way. Just because it looks cute, or maybe it looks it's got painted black or painted white with a steeple, still darkness. Right? People think in churches that by being nice, being a nice person, being an upstanding member of society, being a, a moral person, a religious person, that they can save themselves. If church people are nice but ashamed of the words of Jesus, that's just love in the darkness, right? People outside the church, people out in the community and society, right, think that, well, if I'm just a decent person, I'm good. Or if I'm not like those people or that person, then I'm all right. John 3.16 says, without God's love, we all perish, and perishing hell, here's what that is. It's just going, continuing in the darkness forever and ever. Right? And so here's the point. The world needs to be saved. And that's why God sent Jesus into the world. That's what it says, John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world, condemn the world. That's not the message. But in order that the world might be saved through him, but we got to know we need to be saved. And it's against that background. It's against the background, that dark, pitch-black background of what we love and being all screwed up and messed up, that God's love, the love of God in Christ, shines so bright despite us. God sent his Son into the world to save us, and that is glorious. God gave and sent his one and only Son for you. That's the love of God. God's love is not love, by the way. Love is not love. That phrase, love is love, is love in the darkness. Because anything that refuses to acknowledge or bow down to the love of God in Christ is selfish, self-centered, and destructive. When you see Jesus hanging on the cross and sacrifices himself for you, that's love. Love is not Well, let's just make it up for ourselves. Love is the cross of Christ. It is a willing self-sacrifice for the good of another person who can never pay you back, who can never benefit you. That's love. God's love cost him everything, by the way. That's how much he loves you. He gave it all. All right? God gave what was most dear to him. You got to understand, you got to wrap your mind around this little, God gave to you, to the world, his very heart, right? And this, when, God, when, when, when John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave, well, what does that mean? He gave. It's talking about the cross. When Jesus went to the cross and hung on that cross and died for sinners like me and you, he took our place. He perished. So that you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to. Uh, I was watching the show uh, Homestead Rescue. Anybody, anybody watch that show? Love that show. A family, as a, a father and a son and daughter, and they go and they, and they rescue uh, failing uh, homesteads. And uh, I was watching, and they built this couple a goat barn. And this, this, this young lady was so touched. Right That she just buried her head in, in the chest of Marty Rainey, one of my heroes, by the way, Marty Rainey. Yeah. So she just buried her head in his chest. She was so sincere that they gave her uh, this goat barn. But here's my point: it was a goat barn. I would, I would be, I'd, probably, I'd probably come to tears if someone gave me a goat barn, even if I don't have goats. I find something to put in there, right? Listen, God gave us His very own son. Wrap your mind around that. That ought to touch your heart. That ought to move you in such a way that you just, you just embrace the love of the Father. That's what it ought to do. It ought to move you to the depths of your being, that God came for you and that he loves you. Um, there's a guy named John Flavel. He was a Puritan pastor in the 1600s, and this is how he put it. And this is a prayer to Jesus, Lord. Agony was yours, victory mine. Pain was yours, ease is mine. The curse was yours and the blessing mine. A crown of thorns was yours, that the crown of glory might be mine. The death was yours, the life purchased is mine. That's beautiful. That's what it is, that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that if you believe in him, the life is yours, the good life. Life as it was always meant to be lived. That's what it says. God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, no one is going to be saved from the judgment, from sin, from perishing without believing. But if you do believe in him, the promise is eternal life, which begins the moment that you believe in Jesus. So let me ask you, have you come to believe in Jesus? Right now would be a great time if you haven't. Because if not, then you already stand condemned where you're at. Because you're you're pushing the loving hands of the eternal God away from you when he's reaching out to you to embrace you with his love. Will you receive it? That's the question. Believing in him means personally trusting in Jesus, and the result is reconciliation with God the Father. It means you who were estranged, who ran away from God the Father, can be reconciled, and you can have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the the verb believe is mentioned four times in these short nine verses. Believe, believe, believe. I think God's trying to tell us something. He's trying to say, listen, I've done everything possible to save you. The question is, will you believe it? Here's the, here's the truth. Jesus Christ came into the world 2,000 years ago and died on a real cross and bled for your sins, and he rose from the dead three days later. This is not an intellectual problem. The question is, will you, will you keep running from him, or will you reach out and believe in him? Believing is receiving new life in Christ. That's what it is. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. This is the life of heaven that is broken into this world. It's busted the gates wide open uh, into this world. And, and notice it says here in uh, John 3.16, whoever believes. It doesn't say whoever believed in the past, right? Maybe you came in here this morning and thought, I already got this. I already know John 3.16. This is saying you need to continue to believe in Jesus. That's the point of the word believes, the one who continues to believe in Jesus. So there is a call to continue to receive the love of God in Christ, to continue to trust in this God who died for you at the cross, to continue to receive the eternal life uh, that is in Christ. It means trust in Jesus your whole life long, right? And if that's true, if we we're to continue to believe in Jesus our whole life long, believing leads to living. You've got to know that as a Christian, that what you believe needs to be run smack up against your real life every day. Monday morning. This is, this is the way the Apostle Paul thought about his ministry and his apostleship. Romans chapter 1, verse 5. As he said, this is what I'm all about, right here. Through him, through God, we have received grace and apostleship. Here's what it's he, all about, to bring about the obedience of faith. Do you see that? It, the obedience of faith. There is, a, there is an obedience that is born out of believing in Jesus. So, Paul's whole goal of his ministry was to bring about the obedience of faith. Obedience is required by Christians, by the way, right? We got all kinds of commandments and Stuff in the Bible that God says, hey, you need to do that and don't do this, uh, by the way. But it is an obedience that flows out of believing. It is obedience that's always connected to our faith. And believing in the love of God. Here's, here's another way to say it. Believing in the love of God in Christ changes you. That's what, it's, that's what I'm talking about. How can it not? How can believing in the cross not change every part of our life. We ought to have, people ought to look at our life and see the cross. They ought to look at our life and see uh, the the love of God. Uh, That girl who was gifted that goat barn, she said, this changed my life. How much more if God gave us his only son? A goat barn changed someone's life. How about the eternal word of God who came down, wrapped himself in flesh, had no place to be born, and was born in a barn? How about that one? That ought to change us and went to the cross and died for us. John 3, 21, this is how he puts it in our passage. Whoever does what is true. See that? There's some things we got to do. Whoever does what is true comes to the light. I would think it would be the opposite way around, wouldn't you? Whoever comes to the light does what is true. But no, Jesus is saying whoever does what is true comes to the light. So that it may be clearly seen that his works may be carried works, see that works may be carried out in God. We are called by God to do what is true. You see that the love of God demands a life of good works. All the while, this passage says acknowledging that everything good that comes from our life has been a product of God's grace. You see that. So that it may be clearly seen that his works, all of the good things that we do, have been carried out in God. In other words, it is God at work in us. It is his grace, his power through the Holy Spirit. And let me give you one simple example of this. And that's the last word, the world. For God so loved the world. The world. John 3.16 again. You guys got it memorized yet? Let me call on somebody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What does the word world mean here? World. It means all of us. Uh, during the Super Bowl, there was this ad about Jesus uh, from this organization called uh, He Gets Us, right? Or the, 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 the video was called He Gets Us. It was viewed by over 100 million people. Uh, the video ha- uh, was of uh, different people uh, washing, washing people's feet in uh, various different uh, situations. Then it had this tagline, Jesus didn't teach hate, he washed feet. Actually, Jesus only washed feet one time, but okay. Who were the people in the video who were getting their feet washed or who were doing uh, the foot washing? Well, it was a white man washing the feet of a Native American. It was a white man Washing the feet of a climate protester. It was a white woman washing the feet of a Muslim neighbor. It was a white woman washing the feet of an illegal immigrant. Is anybody catching a trend here? A cop washing the feet of a black man. A priest washing the feet of a gay black man on the beach. That's kind of strange, but anyway. A woman outside of an abortion clinic getting her feet washed. Listen. No one disagrees that Jesus didn't teach hate. Is anyone going around saying that Jesus uh, uh, taught hate? No. But the video taught it. The video sure did teach hate. As one pastor uh, said uh, on social media, it turns out the he and he gets us is Satan. Absolutely. Because Satan is crafty, it's very slick, the video is very polished using all kinds of AI and whatnot, probably. It looks loving, but it's actually hatred. The video is portraying the victim hierarchy of our culture. It is saying that those who are doing the feet washing are the oppressors and those who practice hate. But those who are getting their feet washed are the marginalized and the oppressed people of our society. And there's a fancy word for this. Uh, It's called critical theory, which is absolutely demonic and satanic. Here's how you know. What if he gets us means Jesus gets to reverse the roles in who gets their feet washed? How do we like that? You see, the real love of God is offensive and scandalous and beautiful. So some Christians thought that video was a pile of trash, which it is. And they put out another video called He Saves Us. And I want you all to watch it. It's about a minute. Don't ask me, but you know it's true. See, that's the love of God. That's the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever believes in him. See, God's love doesn't just get us, right? It definitely doesn't just affirm us in our love affair with the darkness. God loves every single one of us. That's everybody, right? Not just some people that we show prejudice toward, partiality to. no every single one of us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that's what we want to respond to this morning.